0: state farm as oh
1: that i mean they've got car they've got you know house whatever but that just blows my mind i but, mean but life like, insurance is the most absolutely. expensive out of all of them yeah it is and some of them are probably more than others
2: oh well, i'm sure of it yeah just wild to me weird wild stuff. all right Let's do it. Are we ready to uh, make some radio magic here? Do it. Or podcast magic? Podcast magic. Here we go. This is the St. Louis Podcast Network.
0: You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byers-Dorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. The last Sunday in July is when we are recording this. July yes. is easily the worst sports month on the calendar. It's slow. It's, it's so it's, slow. It's the slowest. Okay, like, yeah, you, there was NBA offseason. at right. the British Open. And then the British Open, and then you have the All-Star Game, yeah. and that's about it. Otherwise, it's mostly just... Midseason baseball, where I mean, yeah, the games matter; they yeah. count. One more you win in July is one less you have to win yeah. in September and August. I get all that, but not exactly a whole lot of intrigue and excitement. I mean, I always thought October is the best sports month, in my oh, opinion,
1: not, hands down. You middle, have middle of
0: football. Middle
2: if, of, the, if the Cardinals are in the playoffs, well,
0: well, okay, but NFL's hitting its stride. College is hitting its stride. Yeah. Uh, you have the baseball playoffs, and I think the baseball playoffs might be the best playoff sport out there. Yep. Um, and then you have the NBA and the NHL kicking their seasons off. So October kicks everybody's ass. And college as as basketball
1: is like the very last week of October, yeah. first week of November. college
0: basketball starts to get their intrigue as well going. Um, April's not bad. You have the college basketball national championship game. Right. You have the Masters. Right. Um, baseball starts. Baseball starts. And then you have the start of the NHL and the NBA playoffs. So April's not bad either, but July is the absolute worst. It's the blue balls
1: of the sporting months. Yeah, because it's that it's that little tingling, like because you can taste the NFL season just rolling around. You're like, damn it, it's it's here. I just want to. You start looking at your fantasy team. You start looking at depth charts for no reason. Other than I have a draft
0: coming up next weekend. Okay, see. You're, yeah, we're, we're having an insanely early draft because so early. We, oh, okay, when you have a lot of people in your, uh, in your draft league mm-hmm. who have families and they have kids and those kids, you know, they suck up the weekends. Right. It's kind of hard to find a weekend where everybody's free to get together to do a draft. Yeah. And apparently this coming weekend, the first weekend in August, is a weekend that everybody's available. So we're going to be drafting insanely early, which makes me nervous because you have no idea who's going – 1,000% getting hurt. Who's going to get hurt in training camp? It'll probably be like someone that I'll pick first, knowing my luck lately. (laughs) But um, – If you think you're going an entire
1: month without someone getting a DUI, beating their their wife up – Something.
0: Something's going to happen. Something, yes. It's going to happen. Uh, I saw someone tweet out that this is the last month – or the last weekend without football until – After the Super Bowl. I love it. So that made me happy. Yeah. And then you realize that it's going to be like a bunch of really shitty preseason games that you don't care about. Like, you're just, you're so happy football's here. You're like, football, football, football. And then you watch like half the first quarter of the Hall of Fame game. You're like, oh, God, why am I watching this again? It's back, though. It's back. It's back. It's something. It's back. And there's certainly plenty of things to talk about. We'll get to that towards the end. Uh, Right now, I want to talk about this little baseball team we have in St. Louis, they're starting to clean up one of their biggest problem areas, the bullpen, with the release of Greg Holland and Tyler Lyons. Dakota Hudson, he makes his uh, much anticipated Major League Baseball debut. He did not disappoint. He looked Look great. Look good. Um, the kids are getting the call up from Memphis, and that's something that we've been clamoring for here for like the past two seasons. It seems like so. Yeah. We're not we're, done we're, yet either. We're not done yet. Luke, I always said that like the move that the Cardinals make. Is that they trade a minor league player you've never heard of for a middle relief pitcher you've never heard of. And that's what they did. And that's kind of what they did. I mean, you've heard of Luke Voigt. Yeah. Because of the story, you know, he went to Lafayette High School. Yeah. Um, you know, and this and the story with his grandma. Doesn't his grandma pay him like a hundred dollars for every single time he I gets think a home so. run? Yeah, that's what it was. Something like that. Yeah. What's her I forgot her name, Grandma Ruth or I, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, so you've heard of Luke Voigt, but the players that they got from the Yankees, I I've never heard of them. It's almost funny thinking Lube. Chase and Shreve and uh, Giovanni uh, Gallegos. I haven't heard of one. I haven't heard of I'm going to go with Gallegos. Gallegos. Gallegos sounds correct. Okay. I haven't heard of either In terms
2: one. of like Mike Gallegos, former Cardinals shortstop, 1996?
0: Oh, that's... That could be. Could be.
2: Anyway. Yes, but, but I'm uh, going with Gallegos.
0: Nice. So, okay, but Gallegos... I've never heard of them. Never you guys them. said that you've heard you've heard of them, so I don't know if this is a no. I've I, no, I, no, I I I, actually heard of. Them. I'm just going. With just, heard, oh, you oh, just heard of the last name Gallegos. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, I knew the other guy
1: because once they uh, the Yankees got Zach Britton from the Orioles, Chase and mu- Yeah, it was pretty much like okay, he's going somewhere. You just don't know where. So I'd heard of him before. Whenever that got brought up, um, I can't remember the report that I read, but yeah, Cardinals Cardinals making some moves.
0: They needed to, and they keep saying that they're not done, that there's going to be more moves on the horizon. Yeah. The trading deadline is 3 p.m. locally on Tuesday, uh, July 31st. I'm not expecting a wow one. Mm -mm. If Jose Martinez is still on this team on August 1st, I'll be surprised. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll say a little bit disappointed, not that I dislike Jose Martinez. I like him quite a bit, actually. Right. He just doesn't have a place on the club.
1: Well, it's disappointing the fact, too, that trading him almost – I mean, you wave the white flag at that point because he's one of your, be- one of the best hitters. Depends, on the team. Well,
0: I mean, I would say it depends on what you get in in return.
1: But the, the, that's the thing, though, is
0: they're not going to get you know two or
1: three guys or not someone that's up. better than Jose Martinez.
0: Not straight up, no. But if he is packaging a deal, maybe Could you, be. you you don't know. Could be. Um, I like I like Jose Martinez a lot. He's yeah. a great hitter. He's just a disaster in the field. You mean you really can't put him at first. You really can't put him in the outfield because you have too much invested in the outfield right. as far as trying to write uh, the USS Dexter Fowler, which he seems to be playing better Right. Uh, ever since uh, Mike, uh, Mike Schilt took over. He's, he's not back to where he was You know, last year or the year before that, but he is playing better than what he has previously.
1: It looks like he's having a lot more fun, too.
0: And there's something to that. Yeah. And I've, always, I've often wondered that about Mike Matheny. I'm just wondering that like if his personality just kind of wears on people. And Mike
1: he, Matheny being a fun sucker? No way.
0: I know, I, like I said, when
1: we had Charlie Marvel on, I mean,
0: like, would you want to have, like, Mike Matheny at your bachelor party? He'd be like, no. He'd be, no. If anything, he seems like he'd be like a snitch. So was he pro? He would see something, he would go home and tell his wife, because <laughs> he-, he feels like he needs to tell his wife, <laughs> and then you know what happens from there.
1: Was he pro ping pong club and all that, or not ping pong club? I if-
0: would, he doesn't seem like he's a ping pong guy.
1: Oh, he's definitely not a ping pong guy, but is he an advocate for the ping pong clubs? Probably not. See, that's my oh, really? too. Oh, really?
0: I I think the thing with Dexter Fowler was what the, the whole way they handled they were removing him, uh, him being knocked out of the leadoff spot and mm-hmm. out of center field. Yeah, I think probably. I mean, not necessarily that they did it, but maybe how they handled it. He probably wasn't a fan of.
1: I can agree from what that. I'm hearing. Oh so. yeah, 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 for sure, for sure.
0: If you're going to have to hold on to Dexter Fowler, it's of your interest to see him. Play better. If you want to trade Dexter Fowler, it's of your interest yep. to try to increase his trade value. And um, you only do
1: that by playing him, by
0: playing every him day. and having him go out there. I mean, he, he see, like I said, he seems to be having more fun. He seems to be playing better. Marcelo Zuna had the grand slam on Saturday. That mm-hmm. was nice to see. Uh, the team seems to be playing a little bit better. I'm not going to say a lot better. I'm not going to say hey, they've righted the ship. No, run our way to the playoffs but they seem to be playing better. It's still yeah. not a good team. It's an okay team. It's about what they're going to be.
1: It's a little bit more relaxed baseball. I mean, everyone, I think, fans included, like, took a collective side because it was, Absolutely. That, it was that, you know, annoying mosquito for the longest time just keep poking at the neck, you know, with Matheny in the front office and, you know, guys not playing up to expectations. So when you eliminate all that, it eliminates the stress and guys just start naturally playing better.
0: I think another part of the of the Luke Voigt trade that was kind of funny is that we sent Luke Voigt and cash to the Yankees. Well, and that's I was for Jason Shreve.
2: I was just reading about it. They sent one million dollars in international money.
0: Yes. What is
1: that like Bitcoin? It's, it's the it's it's the separate pool of money Kyle Reese from uh, Oh, it's, the, the, the oh, it, it's a pool of money. It. It's a pool of money that's Correct. set aside for only international signings. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's not. It's like included an international, inter,
2: a Major League Baseball international currency that they invented <laughs> yeah. themselves.
1: Well, no, because the Cardinals got in trouble. Yes, they did. Because they went over their spend. What was that? Two years Two ago, years I believe. ago? It. I
2: remember yeah. that.
0: So it's a pretty big thing to give away that money. Absolutely. And I always find it funny, like, whenever you see a player traded for cash... I mean, like, if you're that player, how terrible of a feeling!
2: Babe <laughs> Ruth was traded for cash. Is
0: that yeah? It happened. I mean, I'm sure it happened a lot in the 20s when these when these teams were practically broke. Yeah, and they're just trying you know just to turn a profit. But I, I find it funny now. Like you'll see the crawl on ESPN. You know, player X was traded for cash considerations. It'd
1: considerations, be like, I think, makes it sound so much more damning. Yeah, it'd be like, like, we'll think about giving you extra money. Yeah, cash I mean,
0: considerations. We, we we might. We we'd rather have the money.
1: It was like uh, it's like that deal. And uh, have you guys seen the founder? Yes, with Michael Keaton. I know you're we're talking just, about. Like, I have the, the end scene where he's like, "Well, I'm not going to sign anything, but we'll do a handshake agreement." And then the guy never pay, Ray Kroc never paid the McDonald brothers back ever. They should
2: know. The deal is that they're going to get one percent in royalties in, in uh, perpetuity. And okay, which would be worth over one hundred, would be worth over one hundred million dollars a year now. Wow. And he has never paid them. Never He's paid, never, never paid them. Never paid them.
1: Never signed a contract. He just said, we'll have a handshake agreement, and never
0: paid them. Speaking of money, did you see Zuckerberg lost his ass a couple days ago? <sighs> $11 billion he lost. $11, billion he, lost. $11 billion he lost in one day. The company lost, what, $120 billion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In total. one day? They're down, what was the percentage they were down? They were down like 20%. 20%? Twitter yeah. was down, too. Twitter was down, too, the next 20%. day. percent The yeah. next day, Twitter lost their ass, too. <sighs> fake news that's what it is is that what it is <laughs> the thick. good news is that they can always make that money back eventually
1: oh it'll come back it'll come back
0: but i mean that's got to be a sickening feeling losing like 11 billion dollars in one day i don't care how much money yeah, you have.
2: that would that would be be I've, very very i've
0: upset. never had the feeling but i, I can imagine fill up my, i can't fill up my gas tank <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i remember back in the 90s when Arsenio hall had his show his talk show that was on i think it was on fox too it was on fox And, uh, this was after pound.
2: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Chuck,
0: Chuck, give me some of that, uh, three day old in a, uh, rotten refrigerator cheese kind of funk. He would do stuff (laughs) like that. Yeah. So, um, this was after our president, after he had filed bankruptcy the first time, I believe in 1991. And when he filed, like it was a big shock because I mean, Donald Trump was synonymous with money, immense wealth and success. And here he is and he's filing bankruptcy and I forgot like what one of the guidelines were that he had in a monthly allowance of $750,000. Like, that was his monthly allowance for him to, to spend personally. And Arsenio Hall making the joke, like, how he going to eat? <laughs> yeah, kind of like along those lines with the $11 billion lost by Mark Zuckerberg. But uh, yeah, it's amazing how some people out there have more money than we could even know what to do with.
1: It's less turkey sandwiches and mayo for Mark
0: Zuckerberg. Yeah, lots of yeah. ramen noodles and...
2: Yeah, he, or, he's to, or he just has to eat in instead of going out to eat. It's, yes.
0: He's
1: got to drink Keystones now. Yeah,
0: he's got he's to he's got got drink Beast. Dom Perignon that he's usually drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's got to Lights be a Milwaukee's best life oh, from now sure. on. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. He's slumming it now.
2: He will something you got to say there, Hanselman. Yeah, just back to our trade talk. Um, look, I'm just kind of perusing uh, com right here. And uh, looks at, and this recently posted that a few teams, quote-unquote, have interest in Cardinals minor league third baseman Patrick Wisdom. Man, okay. Per D. Gould, there's there's the, a, there's
0: a lot of hype about him.
2: And then Chris Archer still out there too. So my question to you is: Patrick Wisdom still a Cardinal on Tuesday, and is Chris Archer is Chris Archer a Cardinal on Tuesday? I mean, according if, to this, he's going to San he's going to San Diego. Chris Archer is. Uh-huh. According okay. To, I mean, it's still
1: because one guy can turn around a ball club that's thirty games under five hundred. Love the move, though. Love the move.
2: Yeah, great move.
0: <laughs> if there's anybody born to be a Cardinal, though, wouldn't it be Chris Archer? I mean, come on. Right there with the last I, name?
1: I like the guy.
0: The marketing is just... It's, oh, he's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's a great pitcher. Yeah. The funny thing, though, with baseball is that you can't just get one player and then expect your whole season to turn around. No. You can't kind of with a starting pitcher because it seems like if you have a really great starter that seems to have an effect on the rest of the rotation, like, mm-hmm. guys, they go, like, if someone goes out there and they throw, you know, like eight scoreless innings or, like, you know... Eight, eight innings and they allow one run, they right. kind of want to top that, they want to do better. Right. So I kind of get that with starting pitching, but like if you have a dog ball club and you somehow some way manage to get like Mike Trout, mm-hmm. it's not like suddenly you're going to be printing playoff tickets. No doubt. Speaking of Mike Trout, very quickly before we get to our, our phone guest, um, what did you make of Rob Manfred saying that Mike Trout needs to do more for the game and more to market himself. I kind of, I understood what he was saying. Oh, for sure. It comes uh, off so bad, though. It it does. It comes off terribly, but it's not exactly Mike Trout's fault that he's in Anaheim where right now no one gives a shit about the Angels.
1: Well, it's the Los Angeles Angels. Well, it's the Anaheim.
0: Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim next, you know, off of Van Nuys Boulevard. Right. But no one cares no. about what's going on with the Angels. They're not even in Los Angeles. Yeah. You have the Dodgers, who made the trade for Manny Machado, and they're probably going to win the West. They're on their way to the playoffs. You mm-hmm. have LeBron James; he signs with the Los Angeles Lakers. So everybody, like that, is Lakertown. The Los Los Angeles is owned by the Lakers. Oh yeah, and now with LeBron there, they own the they own Los Angeles again. Yeah, I would. Say, I mean, they're the Angels are even behind the Rams. I would say, and probably even USC football.
1: Well, those two. Well those two, the last two that you mentioned i mean really on the come not so much usc but the rams are you know now they're exciting they got all this new talent you know coming they in got so of, they got There's lots they got lots of big hype.
0: names absolutely and when you're the
1: second best team in the city already in the own individual sport you play you know they're not better than the dodgers it yeah it's it's going to wear out it's going to wear out and people aren't going to pay attention
0: so much. i got what my, what uh, rob manfred said about like my trout probably needing to do more but he needs to be on a better team. He needs to be on a different team. He needs to be on an East Coast team.
2: As much as I hate to say
0: it, you know the East Coast bias. Yeah, that's but he problem. does.
2: And I like the problem is that Mike Trout plays games in the Central Time Zone at nine thirty at nine o five every night. Exactly. Yeah. And here's another problem with Mike. Like another thing is weird about Mike Trout. You're in
0: Los Angeles where all these commercials are shot. I mean, how many commercials were, were Chris Paul was Chris Paul in before he got traded to the Clippers? Blake Griffin was all in all these different commercials, too, because he played for the Clippers. He was in that, Los Angeles. A big reason why LeBron went to L.A. A, a big reason why LeBron went to L.A. So he's right there in L.A. Mike Trout is in zero national commercials. They all go to Bryce Harper.
1: Well, I think it's the I think the biggest takeaway is just you see how humble of a guy Mike Trout is in the fact that he literally just wants to play base, and there's, no, there's nothing, nothing wrong with there, that. There
0: is nothing wrong with that, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you can't do both it doesn't there's no reason why he can't do both. I honestly I after the Cubs won the World Series, I'm like Chris Bryant is going to be the new national face of Major League Baseball. It's going to drive Cardinal fans crazy. And Chris Bryant is a nothing either because I think he's just too low key of a guy. Yeah. But he's got everything that you want. He's won a World Series, he's won an MVP, he's a good-looking guy, he's yeah. a good player. Yeah. You would think that oh my god, you know, marketing execs are going to be doing handsprings to try to land this guy. He's a nothing. At least yeah. nothing national. Bryce Harper has all of them.
1: And it's only going to get worse, depending on wherever he goes. Depending on
0: wherever he goes, you're right. It's only going to get worse. But I mean, like I remember when I was a kid, major league baseball players were, were like almost in every commercial. Oh yeah. And then it was Peyton Manning for a long time. The the last uh, uh, baseball player I remember that was in a ton of national commercials was Derek Jeter. And like, now there's there's not a major league player that's like that. What about when
2: Vince Coleman was on with Uncle Leonard? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is there. I forgot about that. There's that.
1: It could be uh, like major league. What were they in the Visa Mastercard commercial? American Express. American Express. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't, don't don't steal home without. Don't steal home without. It. without don't it.
0: Steal, home without don't it. steal home without it. Mike Trout. But, but uh, I mean, like he's he's a. He seems like he's a personal guy. He's got a great smile. He's a hell of a player. Yeah. He's a fantastic player. There's no reason why he shouldn't be, like, one of the faces of professional sports uh, in the United States, and he really isn't.
1: He reminds me a lot of J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, I think, is, I mean, very marketable athlete within the NFL, but still a very humble guy, very, you know, community-driven as opposed to let's brand everything. Um, so it's interesting to see how, how much those guys get involved with things outside of their own professional sport.
0: Joining us on the phone right now is Danny Jones. He is the uh, Missouri Tigers beat writer for the Columbia daily Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore E underscore Jones, Danny Jones. How are you, sir?
3: Doing great, doing great. Good to talk to you guys, and uh, hope things are going well in Glen Carbon.
0: Things are going great, and I like talking to you, and the reason why I like talking to you is because I know that is getting close to or in the middle of Missouri Tiger football season. It's right around the corner. I can't wait.
3: Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, It's been an exciting offseason. A lot of good things happened for Missouri since they last took the field uh, in the Texas Bowl. Starting with Drew Locke. Uh, got Drew Locke back. Got Trey Beckner back. Uh, added an offensive coordinator and Derek Dooley, and we'll kind of see how how things go with him, uh, how the offense. And it uh, remains to be seen how uh, you know how positive a step that is, but certainly the coaching staff is excited. Barry Odom has talked a lot this offseason about how this is the best staff harmony he's had as a coach at Missouri. So. They're, they're excited, and, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of excitement with Drew Locke coming back and the talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, that includes the running backs, Damari Crockett, Larry Roundtree. They'll be important, to, you, know, uh, you know, if they had a way to, to control the game and, and limit their turnovers and, and play good defense, they could be right there at the top of the East, uh, you know, or near the top of the East. If they don't, if the offense doesn't really come together in the way they hope it does, and the defense doesn't improve on last year, then they could be kind of near the bottom of the East. So a lot of a lot of outcomes. It'll be an interesting season to follow.
0: So far, what can you tell us? The biggest difference between this year's Tiger team as opposed to the 2017 squad, which had the which was the equivalent of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride.
3: I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, last year you had a on the offensive side a system that you knew. What you know, you really had an understanding of what Missouri was going to do. Uh, they were going to come out and run as many plays as they possibly could, try to keep the tempo extremely fast uh, and keep defenses kind of off guard just based on how fast they play. And this year, there's a definite shift in that mentality. They're still going to run a little bit up tempo uh, to, to maybe try to continue to do that catch defenses off guard, but that's not going to be the main focus of the offense like it was the last two years. They're going to try to control the ball a little bit more, increase their time of possession. Missouri finished last in Division One in time of possession last year. There's a definite uh, emphasis on fixing that and improving that number. And then also in doing so and chewing up the clock and maybe taking fewer risks down the field, I think there's a hope that they'll also do better In their turnover differential last year they were last in the sec in turnover differential so i think those are two points of emphasis so you you have a you know an offense that'll go a little bit slower but they're not going to give up all the principles of what they were doing and what made them so uh effective the last two years kind of wondering what what's going to change you're kind of wondering exactly how things are going to be different how Drew Locke is going to look. So that's the biggest difference for me is you aren't really sure what the offense is going to look like going into this season, which is, you know, when you're looking at the roster where Missouri's strengths lies on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Danny, a lot is made of the offense and as it should be with Drew Locke returning, but talk to us a little little bit about the defense. Obviously the whole D-line zoo mentality. You've got guys, you know, like Terry Beckner coming back, Jordan Elliott manning the inside, what can we expect out of uh, the defense moving into the season?
3: So if you start up front, uh, especially with Terry Beckner, there's a lot of depth on that defensive line. They don't probably have the stars you know, that, that Mizzou has kind of become famous for. Obviously, Terry Beckner is somebody that's going to be a first-round pick uh, in next year's draft unless things go horribly wrong. So you do have a little bit of star power, star power there. But around the rest of the line, I don't know, unless somebody really jumps out and has a great year, I don't know that there's anybody else that's really going to blow you away. What they do have, especially in the interior, is depth. They have a ton of defensive tackles, which is kind of rare. That's a tough position to really develop as a as a college football program, because you're, you're always trying to get guys in that are big enough to play, and then uh, can stay healthy. So Mizzou has Terry Beckner and then at the other spot going into the fall, the other starter there is Walter Palmore, who played a little bit last year as a JUCO transfer. Um, you also have Jordan Elliott, like you said, who's a Texas transfer who is expected to to play a big part in this defense this year. Then you have Kobe Whiteside who played quite a bit last year as a freshman. You have Akil Byers, a recruit, uh, who will be a sophomore this year out of Arkansas, has got a chance to play. Rashad Brandon was a JUCO transfer who, who played quite a bit last year and showed some flashes of, of some really good games. So there's a lot of ways they could go, a lot of directions they could go on that defensive line. And I think what you might see is some of those guys who are natural defensive tackles even move outside and play some defensive end because they aren't as deep at the end spots so trey williams and chris turner will be the two ends that start the season and trey williams has got a really really high ceiling his career has kind of been defined by you know is he ever going to get the most out of what his potential is so we'll see if this season is a, a step in the right direction for him and then as you get get farther away from the line um you know you kind of start to say to, to wonder exactly what the effectiveness is, is going to be the, the linebackers are, are pretty solid. They're not, you know, they're not the best in the sec. They're not uh, that, they, you know, they're not guys that are winning uh, all sec honors, but they are a solid group. Cale Garrett's been, been pretty reliable as a middle linebacker, uh pretty good tackler. Teres Hall came, came out last year and, and had double digit tackles for loss. Brandon Lee's coming back after starting most of the season, When you get into the secondaries, when you start having more questions, especially at safety, it's been a really tough position for Missouri to figure out the last couple of years. They just haven't had anybody really step up and take over that spot. So uh, you got a couple of young guys back there uh, that have not played a lot. You have a transfer from Oregon and Khalil Oliver. So all the like that'll be a really important position for Missouri. Safety is kind of figuring out what they want to do there. and, And it's important for them to find a guy who can play center field and limit the big plays that they gave up far too often last year.
0: Danny Jones joining us right now from the Columbia Daily Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. I had E in there earlier. That was a typo. I apologize. So please, everybody, make sure you follow Danny on on Twitter for all the updates on the Missouri Tigers. Uh, Danny, is it crazy to think that Drew Locke could be a Heisman finalist? He's getting a lot of national attention, and i even heard Paul Feinbaum say that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference.
3: Yeah, no doubt. He's uh, He's got a, a lot, the burden of expectations on him this season, and it's kind of been that way for a little while. But this season in particular, this feels like the year for Drew Locke, that uh, if, if there's going to be a year that that he really shows out and, and performs well, this is the year to do it. He's got uh, the talent around him at receiver. He's got the talent at uh, running back. He's got the talent certainly at tight end with Albert Okuwebunum. This is going to be the year. And I think for Drew Locke, the thing that the step that has to be taken that's most important for the program is they need to beat teams that, you know, maybe they aren't favorites uh, to beat. Because that is what has not happened under Drew Locke. As good as he's been and as promising as he has looked at times, Missouri under Drew Locke has never beat a team uh, that they weren't supposed to beat before the game started. It didn't happen last year. Uh, they, they, they beat the teams that didn't go to bowl games and they lost to the teams that did go to bowl games so uh, for, for Drew Luck to really st- you know put his name in the program as somebody who can leave a strong legacy I think that's the most important thing and there won't be any Heisman conversation no serious Heisman conversation unless he does so uh, the, the thing that has to come first is is wins if they aren't going to be competitive on a national level then there isn't going to be really any Heisman buzz. That's where it starts. And then if you have the numbers to go along with it, then that's when you start to become uh, a, a guy in that conversation.
1: Danny, so how do the Mizzou Tigers stack up in that SEC East? I'm looking at their schedule now, and honestly, there's a lot of winnable games, I think, for them this year. And it kind of seems like the stars are aligning a little bit for Mizzou to make some noise in the SEC.
3: So, yeah, the way I see it is you have a pretty clear set top, which is Georgia, and a pretty clear set bottom, which is, which is Tennessee and, and Vanderbilt, probably in there too. Then the middle is a uh, crapshoot. South Carolina is kind of the, the team that's most likely viewed as the number two uh, behind Georgia. They, they were picked to finish second in the East, and I think they're the second most talented team in the East. Uh, but then, you know, there's, there's not a lot, I don't think, that separates South Carolina and Florida and Missouri and Kentucky even. And I know Kentucky has not been a team that's garnered a lot of preseason hype. I know for me, uh, Kentucky's got a situation they have to figure out a quarterback. They, they don't really have anybody, a quarterback, that can, that can step in and, and lead the team. But around the quarterback position, they have a pretty good squad. So they could be anywhere. Um, I think I picked Missouri to pit, to finish third underneath South Carolina. But as I said before, there's a wide range of outcomes that could happen. And I know a lot of other writers that, that cover the SEC when I was talking to them last week at SEC Media Days, uh, they were kind of hesitant to put Missouri up there at number three just because they were, they were two totally different teams last year. You don't really know what you're going to get out of Missouri going into this season. Are you going to get the team – that finished the year, that was playing confidently, that was uh, playing pretty solid defense, that wasn't turning the ball over, or are you going to get the team that showed up in the first half of the season that couldn't limit the big play, that was turning the ball over pretty frequently and just didn't really look uh, locked in? Uh, so depending on what what squad you get, uh, I think if you get that squad that, that closed out the season for the Tigers, you could get a, a third or even second-place finish, and if you don't, and you're kind of down there among the uh, Tennessee and the Vanderbilt to the east.
0: Danny, were you a little surprised that Barry Odom got the, the two-year extension when he did, considering how the season went?
3: No, I, not really. Uh, the world of college football is kind of predicated on recruiting, and you, it's really tough to recruit if your coach doesn't have a contract that goes through the life of, uh, you know, as long as a player might be in school, you know if you're a high school player and the coach is coming to you, your house to recruit, and he's got a two year contract, and he can't guarantee that he'll be there the entire time that you'll be there. That is just the, you know, red flag. It's going to, it's going to come up every single time. So it's kind of become the nature of the sport to have a coach under contract for four years. So then you kind of start to look at the buyout, uh, which is, you know, that's, that's what keeps coaches uh, in place or not in place even more than the contract and, for, you know, for most of his time at Missouri, Barry Odom's buyout hasn't really been too much. It, it hasn't uh, been like a, a, a high number uh, for Missouri to pay to get rid of him. So he's, I would say that that has been a lack of a, a security blanket for him that he hasn't had uh, a big buyout that that, Missouri, that w- might scare Missouri from, from letting him go. But at the same time, uh, he showed improvement at the end of last season. It didn't look like it it, through the middle of the year. But by the end, he had, you know, he had taken the program to a bowl game. Kind of he was able to retain Drew Locke and Terry Beckner, important things. Like if you're looking at big picture stuff, selling tickets, selling season tickets, getting those two guys to stick around is a big deal. Uh, So. Uh, you know, it wasn't that surprising. Um, you know, and, and it'll be a conversation to have at the end of this year as to what his future might look like. You know, when Missouri has a lot of talent that that takes off at the end of the season, you know, that'll be the question that's asked. I think if your Jim Sterk is. Is this program going in a direction that we feel can be sustained, you know, where we can have some success? We can really sell our program to our season ticket holders, or is it is it a time that we have to make a change? And we won't know, you know, where the program's at until that season uh, wraps up.
1: Danny, is there someone on Mizzou's team that is due for kind of a breakout year, somebody that maybe, you know, fans aren't talking about now but will be, you know, towards the end of the season?
3: I think Larry Roundtree is in that conversation. I think Therese Hall has kind of started to get some of some attention, some more attention, um, as as the season last season went on, and then as we've gone into this year, you know, being at SEC Media Days is a good way to get your name out there. So I think Therese Hall is somebody that that you know is right up there in terms of uh, playmakers at the linebacker position. He's he's one of the better uh, tacklers in the SEC, Larry Roundtree coming into his sophomore year at running back, is uh, he's a dang good player, um, and I think he'll get a real opportunity to, to turn some heads this season. But more than anything, I, I, you know, I feel like Missouri's offensive line has really flown under the radar, um, and, you know, with, with this new system that's predicated on running the ball and isn't moving as fast, you know, we'll kind of see how effective they end up being, but if they had the same levels of success this year as they had the last two years, I don't see any way that there isn't a Mizzou offensive lineman on an all-SEC team. It hasn't happened, even though that Missouri has like led the country, been right at the top of the country in sacks allowed per you know pass attempt. Uh, they've been really, really solid the last two years. If that continues, I think there'll definitely be some recognition, uh, if not given – Definitely deserved. So I would look at Paul Adams. He's, I think, the best blocker on that offensive line, the starting right tackle, maybe a guy who turns heads and, and gets a little bit more recognition at the end of the year.
0: If you're a Missouri Tigers football fan and you're not reading Danny, at ColumbiaTribune.com. If you're not following him on Twitter, at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. You're really doing yourself a, a disservice. He does a tremendous job of following the team. He's got all kinds of in-depth coverage on the uh, the Columbia Daily Tribune's website. So, uh, Danny, we appreciate you having uh, coming on and joining us today. And we look forward to having you on throughout the Missouri Tigers 2018 season.
3: Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been fun to do that. So, hit me up whenever you, uh, whenever you want to talk. I'll be happy to do it. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks Danny. Danny. Yeah.
0: Like I said, that is Danny Jones from the Columbia Daily Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. You can follow me, Matt Berger, on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay Byersdorfer on Twitter at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow uh, handsome Andy Hanselman on Twitter at emo6.
2: There were some girls in high school that used to call me Ansel Anselman. Ansel Um, Anselman.
1: Were you a lady killer
2: in high school? I don't know what I don't know what <laughs> I couldn't get a date for the life of me, but they all loved me. You wore hey. a
1: Ghostbusters t-shirt that tells me all I need to know about what you were like in high. Ha- no, I no, I was cool. Game. I wore
2: I wore Abercrombie and Fitch big shirts. Oh, you wow. you were you were the preppy guy in high school. I was very preppy in high school. There you go. Yeah, were lots you an of athlete lots in high stuff school? Stuff from the Gap.
0: Did golfer. you play golf? Golf.
2: So I mean, yeah, that's for the kids. chicks.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what every woman wants. I, I want the guy who looks like a golfer. I want right. the guy built like a
2: golfer. Well, I was building the football player out there playing golf. I was still. I was like six three. I don't know two. So you're the big guy out 60? there.
0: You were like Jason Duffner or just out there mashing, playing golf. Mashing
2: yeah. drives down the you. fairway. No, because I had a wooden driver. Even oh. in the that was right like right when Big Berthas came out. Oh, okay. And my dad wouldn't buy me one, mm. so I still play with an old ping wooden driver. A little more finesse game. Yeah, a little more in really, really short drives. <laughs> gotcha.
0: We got some birthdays coming up this week uh, related to the show. Happy birthdays this week to Crash, our friend Crash. Uh, yes. hey, happy birthday, Crash. Crash. Palmer Alexander from In yep. The Zone. In The Zone. Yeah. Uh, Anna Maria Torillo, one of our very first guests on the Last Man Up podcast. Tara Wellman, a wow. guest on uh, the, uh, the Last Man they Up podcast. They all have birthdays we, this week? They all have birthdays. We should have had a birthday episode. We, we should have. And then uh, on Friday. <laughs> we still could. On Friday, uh, Audrey Dahlgren from KSDK is uh, celebrating her birthday. We need to get so. her on too. We will get her on. Yeah, we will. It's just that we record this on Sundays, and she works on Sundays, so it was kind of difficult to uh, unacceptable to find a time. Now, if we go back to recording this in the middle of the week like we were before, it'd probably be a little bit easier. But on Sundays, it's it's always difficult. I, I saw on Snap that she was recording. Um, it was somebody's like baseball camp, or it was like some some baseball team that's coached by Tom Lawless. And she was recording um, Tom Lawless, Tom Lawless, coaches the baseball team. And I asked her, I'm like, please tell me that he was teaching them how to do the bat flip. And she's <laughs> like, so I, I did not Absolutely. see that. Yeah. I'm like, he's got one of the most iconic bat flips ever. Please tell me that. he's to be the most enthusiastic group of young <laughs> men ever. Absolutely. You know it. Uh, speaking of groups of young men, you and I were talking about this before yeah, we started I recording. I don't, I
2: don't like where this is going. <laughs>
0: You and I were talking. Everything with him is sex. It's, it goes right, He's to it. Like right to it, like nymphomaniac. I'm very horny. I'm, t- I'm telling you what.
2: You're weirdo. <laughs> Start
0: spraying you down with cold water That's here. Insane. Andy Hanselman it's raining ladies, outside. And he still at in emo hot, six hot and slide into his DMs and, and help the brother out, man. Uh, but LeBron James, we were talking about his son. Yeah. Um, you know, he said something about like he felt bad about naming his son LeBron James Jr. They call mm. him Bronny. Bronny. Uh, He felt bad about it because the pressure that he is going to be now on uh, under rather because he's LeBron James Jr. Well, I mean, he could name the kid Andy Hanselman Jr. or Clay Byersdorfer Jr. or Matt Berger Jr. The kid's still going to be under all all kinds of pressure because he's LeBron's son. Yeah. So there's always going to be pressure built into that. But the thing I thought was cool was that he joined. His son had like it was like a AAU team, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, basketball game. And they had a layup line and he went out there. And joined the layup line and put on a couple of uh, some pretty showy dunks, which I thought was was kind of cool. It would be cool if you were a kid on his team. Now, Absolutely, if a <laughs> or if you're if you're a, if you're a parent in the stand, that was
1: awesome. Well, if you're an opposing kid or an opposing parent, you look you look around, and say, "We're so screwed." Right oh, now. you probably thought that
0: anyway. <laughs> as soon as you saw that you were going up against, right. uh, you know, uh, LeBron's kid, you're like, right. "Yeah, we're, we're Refs, not going to win Refs this are,
1: game." Refs aren't calling that game. <laughs> if they, if LeBron's son's AAU team probably never loses.
0: Probably not. Probably very rarely. If he's, if he's rarely. at the
1: game, the refs are definitely not wanting to get into it. LeBron. Either that or if
0: you're like a ref and you can't stand LeBron because you think he's whining all the time, then maybe you're doing the exact opposite. Do you
1: think he still whines like during his summer? No, I'm games? just
0: saying it'd be like, okay, you know, I, I'm a ref and I don't like the way that you treat the refs in, in the NBA. So... <laughs> They I'm going to take it out – yeah, I'm going to take it out on your kid. Trust me. I mean, the, the crazier things have happened. Um, I know LeBron is going to have an announcement tomorrow. He's starting some school in Akron I, for, like, at-risk kids. The I Promise Academy. The I Promise Academy. Yep. Yeah, I mean
1: – And sending a 1,000 ki- of those students – who end up graduating is my understanding. A thousand of those students will get their college tuition paid for. Paid for,
0: correct. Really? Yeah. Le- one thing that LeBron does probably better than almost any professional athlete like of his stature that I can think of is give back. Yeah. He gives back to the community so much. And as much as people want to, you know, kill him because he's not LeBron, or he's not Michael Jordan right. or that he whines too much or whatever. One thing that you cannot cannot knock the man for is the way that he gives back. Cuz he big, gives back. Is that
1: the biggest difference between LeBron and MJ? Is LeBron gives back and MJ goes to the horse track.
0: Well, I mean, I saw this that well, like LeBron gives back to the community and uh, more specifically the, the black community and what does Michael Jordan invest his money in? Prisons. <laughs> he does. The tax dollars. He well, I mean, no cuz a lot of those a lot of those uh facilities are or privately held and privately oh, that's ran. right. You're right. Okay. So Michael Jordan, he's invested in prisons. <laughs> hey, we talked about Palmer. Palmer, I know you listen to this, and Arlington, you too. You know what I'm talking about, so give me a shout-out on Twitter after you hear this. <laughs> um, we were talking about the Rams in Segment 1. Todd Gurley signed a huge contract yeah. with the Los Angeles Rams, uh, and he's earned it. Definitely. He's, a, he's a fantastic player. Uh, but I'm wondering what this means for Le'Veon Bell, who is kind of like a player of similar stature, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, like we're talking about fantasy drafts. You know, Le'Veon Bell is probably going to go with one, and Todd Gurley is going to go number two or vice versa, one or the other.
1: It's 1A. They're both options. They're they're
0: both going to go in the top three, four, or five. Sure, sure. So if you're Le'Veon Bell and you see the the deal that Todd Gurley signed, and I understand that Le'Veon Bell is maybe a year or two older than what Todd Gurley is – uh, Le'Veon Bell has more of the off-field issues than what Todd, Todd Gurley's had none. Le'Veon Bell has had a couple, but still, if you're Le'Veon, be I, I'd be looking at the Rams going really Steelers. I, <laughs> you can't you can't pay me like at least part of this. I
1: think he's already uh, voiced that via, via Twitter. social Oh media. yes, absolutely. Uh, no, he deserves to get paid 100. You know, on on the same level. I don't think. I, honestly, I don't expect him to be playing football in Pittsburgh after this year. I don't either. This relationship I, is and going. I
0: think the Steelers are fine with that too. Yeah,
1: I think they're definitely because I think you're going to see the end of Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell. I think it's going to be a package deal, and they're just going to just start from a clean slate next year.
0: That's probably a smart move, especially with Roethlisberger, because oh, 100%. he is he's so good at home. Yeah, and then on the road, he morphs into like a really bad version of uh, Keith Null, and he gets hurt every year. I Every mean, year,
1: whether it's a calf strain or a tear or, you know, his middle fingers broken
0: because he doesn't exactly keep himself in great shape. No, I mean, I'm, I'm the last one to be criticizing about the condition of another human <laughs> being, but I I'm not paid for like, I don't make my money with my body like athletes do. Right. And if that's the case, you probably need to take maybe better care of yourself. Robles has never really been in great shape.
1: He's the modern day. What is it? Uh, not Roger Staubach. Um, Joe Namath smoking cigarettes. A, a little bit, field. yeah.
0: Joe Namath is, is the most is the most overrated quarterback in NFL history.
1: That's a that's a really hot take.
0: Well, I mean, there, there's little question to that. If you look <laughs> at his stats, his stats are terrible. The only reason why Joe Namath is, is as popular as what he is is because he did it in New York. There's he, the
1: East Coast bias again.
0: Well, New York. But, I mean, like, if he had won that one Super Bowl in Buffalo and made that guarantee while he was wearing a Buffalo Bills uniform yeah. instead of a New York Jet uniform, no one would give a damn about Joe Naiman. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And, I mean, a lot of it is because, like, he had, you know, the the, like, the Hollywood good looks and he was in the pantyhose commercials yeah. and a couple other things. So right. He would have I, never
1: done that anywhere else.
0: No. And like, when I hear Joe Neyman, I think of uh, him and, and uh, uh, Susie, um, Susie Coleman. Not Susie Coleman. What's her name?
1: Um, not Carmichael no uh, I know exactly who you're talking about I can see her face but yeah he only he only gets away with that more repl- editing more editing here more for editing
0: mis- more editing here for Mr. Editing Hazelman. pause
1: <clears throat> what was her name that's gonna bug me the girl- Colber Colber
0: Six. Susie Colber yep Okay, whenever I think of Joe Namath, I think uh, that time that he was on the sideline with Susie Colber on Monday Night Football, yeah. and he was, I mean, allegedly clearly intoxicated. I want to kiss you. And he kept saying, like, <laughs> he didn't care about the Jets' struggles. He wanted to kiss her. And I thought Susie Colber handled it extraordinarily well, considering the circumstances. No doubt. She's got this, you know, lecherous, creepy old man, yeah. you know, hitting on her on live TV. When was that? Uh, wow, 2002?
1: God, it feels like for, I mean, it was forever ago. Yeah,
0: eight years That's ago, it. but uh, no, six, six years six, ago. There, 16, where's, where's my math?
1: 16 years ago. 2002, right? 2012.
0: Oh, 2012. 2012. I you said 2012. 2002. No, 2012. Okay. But uh, I don't care about them struggling. I want to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the- Broadway one the most, Joe. One of the most lecherous things I've ever seen in my entire life. Broadway Joe. But uh, going back to Ty Gurley and Le'Veon Bell- What's going on with the Rams is really interesting when you've seen the money that they've thrown around. It's crazy. With Brandon Cooks and now with Ty Gurley, you know that eventually they're going to have to pay Jared Goff. Yep.
1: Um, Aaron Donald's still holding out. And Aaron and Donald is still him.
0: holding out. I don't know how they're going to be able to pay Aaron Donald what he wants. Yeah. I I really don't. Uh, you are talking about Le'Veon Bell, him and the Steelers. It looks like they may, may be on their way out. I have a feeling that may be the same way with Aaron Donald and the Rams, too, because you don't invest a whole lot of money in defensive tackles. As great as Aaron Donald is. Yeah. And he is probably the most uh, dominant defensive player out there. Yeah. Defensive tackle is not a glamour position. It's It's usually not. not a position that you invest a lot of money in. They're eventually going to have to get younger on the the offensive line because their offensive line is old. Uh, Andrew Whitworth has got to be in his mid-30s. Sullivan is in his mid-30s. We're very familiar with Roger Saffold and the injuries that he's had when he was here with the Rams in St. Louis. So eventually that money is going to have to go into the offensive line. We've seen what Todd Gurley and what Jared Goff looks like when that offensive line is garbage. They're garbage. When the offensive line is great, they're great. Yeah.
1: No, and in other positions, I mean, they're going to have to upgrade multiple positions. Uh, You know, linebacker is still a big question mark, I think, for them heading into the year as well. Um, You said it yourself. They're going to have to pay Jared Goff at some point. Robert Woods, if he performs again like he did last year, is going to expect some type of, you know, upgrade too. I think I saw the stat that they literally have like a million dollars left in in salary cap for the rest of the year in terms of who they still have to pay. I believe it. And they're dead last in the NFL. It blows my mind because that never happened in St. Louis.
0: Never happened in St. Louis. We need to make an amendment. The Joe Namath wanted to kiss you was in 2003. 2003. 2003, not 2012. The story I was looking at wasn't 2012. Okay, so that's 15 So we another ago. one now. Ten years ago today, Joe Namath wanted to kiss you. Uh, this is in Deadspin. Is the the dateline is 12-20-2013. So 2003 is when we almost saw a live sexual assault from Joe Namath on Susie <laughs> Culber.
1: That's Susie Culver in her prime. 2003. <laughs> that, that was prime Susie Colbert? Prime Susie Colbert, 2003. I mean,
0: like Susie Colbert, she does a great job with the NFL on ESPN, but I, as far as the beauty goes, I don't know. I'm, I'm she, a big
1: Susie Colbert Are guy. you okay? Hey. Big, I'm big into Susie. I think I, she's one of those. I, she's gotten even better with age, I'm just a, like Jennifer Aniston.
0: Or uh, Jennifer Lopez, did you Jennifer see? Lopez. Did you see the picture that she I that, that she posted? That was ridiculous. Her 49th birthday, and that woman has abs, abs, and she's forty nine.
1: Rough life, not for, bad. Rough life for, for uh, a rod.
0: But again, she's a person who makes her money with her body. She does dancing and acting and everything else. It's it's your job to basically look, look good. good. I wish that was my job. I wish that was my job, too. Maybe (laughs) I would take a little more pride in my appearance, but it's not my job to look good. It's only to sound good sometimes. I
1: think you're a good-looking
0: guy. Thank you very much. (coughs) Both of you guys. Oh, look at you. Objectively handsome. (laughs) He likes bears. Apparently that's what it is. Lock the door. Um, What was I going to say next?
1: I have no idea what you're going to go to after Le'Veon and Gurley.
0: I don't think I really had anything else. Okay. We should just wrap. We should probably just wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. (laughs) Special thanks to Danny Jones from the Columbia Daily Tribune for joining us on the phone. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore E underscore Jones. And happy birthday to everybody that that we wished happy birthday to earlier. Birthday. Happy birthday to you. See you on the other side. Take care, everybody.
3: Hey, guys.
0: Hey, buddy, are you in civilization now?
3: I think we're getting a little bit closer, so hopefully it'll work. This, this sounds
2: time. better. Are you Did southbound on 55 by chance?
3: No,
0: I'm actually eastbound
2: or westbound on 70. Oh, okay. Oh, okay,
0: Okay. Yeah. so yeah, you, yeah,
2: you've already crossed the river then. Oh, no, no. So he is going to drive right by us still. Well, right down here on, on 270. No, yeah. He's
3: on 70. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, we will oh, probably I guess, come yeah. out. Across yeah, because
2: we're, uh, we're recording right here in Glen, beautiful Glen Carbon, Illinois. Oh nice. Yeah, we'll probably yeah, we definitely will. Yeah, you're we'll, driving right by. So we, so we just right come through. just come on by the studio. Yeah, we'll, we'll just hang out here,
0: <laughs> wait for you to get here. Just swing
3: by and say, Hey, yeah no. <laughs> uh, All right guys. Well all right. I'm I'm ready when you are. All
0: right, sounds good.